Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway. And I'm Cameron Conway. And this podcast is a very personal look at personal finance in Canada. Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway here with Cameron Conway. And today we're going to talk about the power of habits. That's right. It's those little things that help you get through the day. They motivate you. They cook you second breakfast. They help you hurl jewelry into Mount Doom. And I don't think that's what we're talking about. (laughs) I said uh, habits, not hobbits. But uh, yes, today we're going to talk about behavioral psychology as it relates to money. And I feel like the best way to cut straight to the chase, just so that we're not always talking about the ifs, what's, whens and whys, How do we affect real change in our life? And I think the best way to do that is to look at our habits, the things that kind of go unnoticed, because we are, at the end of the day, really just products of what we do repeatedly. Yeah, even like for me personally, I like to think that all of our personal finance decisions are really just a result of our real deep psychological decisions, the culminations of the habits, all the things we think and we believe, and all of that just gets translated to how we spend our money, what, how we see the future, and how we kind of have that tension between today and tomorrow. Well, and let's build on that comment. So the problem with future goals, whether they're financial or otherwise, is they feel so far away. And it's very, very hard for a lot of us to sustain our long-term motivation to get there. So in order to bridge that gap, I feel that the best solution is to pull tomorrow into today. And the way that you do that is you focus on actions that hopefully become habits that provide that sense of satisfaction and gratification that you're looking for from your long-term goals. But really, you use these little stepping stones of daily actions that are satisfying that actually move you close to the goal. So it's not that big mountaintop experience at the end of the day when you've achieved your goal. It's taking satisfaction in what you're doing today to get there and making sure that the actions that you're taking have an element to them that are rewarding enough that make you want to continue for the long haul. Yeah, it's hard to motivate yourself for that kind of a future cookie at the end of the road when there's nothing to kind of help pull you along the way. And I think that's where people fail to develop the proper habits to actually attain those goals, whether they're personal or financial. It's, yes, I want this eventual thing to happen to future me, but there has to be enough good things along the way to make me want to reach that destination. Otherwise, I'm just going to kind of peter out and give up and just think that, oh, that was a silly, foolish hope I had for the future. Well, and I think the other part of this is, does my mind think that this action is going to be easy or hard? With a big goal, you can kind of overwhelm yourself and say, wow, that's so big, I might never get there. This is hard. It's going to take me a lot of energy to do this. And if you focus instead on a daily action, you can simplify it to the point where it's easy. And if you look at our very nature as humans, we love easy. Think of all the choices that you make on a daily basis. We like things that are easy as well as rewarding. I mean, think of watching TV, your favorite show, your favorite movie. 
it's simple. You're sitting, you're relaxed, you're conserving energy, and you get this huge reward of this experience of having all this entertainment just kind of happen to you as you sit there. And like I said, you're not burning a lot of energy. You could actually be increasing your energy if you're consuming or, you know, having a snack or a drink as you're enjoying yourself. So think about it from our ancestors' point of view, who were rewarded for conserving as much energy as possible in case they needed large bursts of it down the road. And habits do exactly that for us. So I have two books today as our source material. The first is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I probably pronounced that wrong. It's spelled D-U-H-I-G-G. And Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is a much more recent book. And in The Power of Habits, Charles essentially was saying that as much as 40% of the actions that we take every day are habits. They're automated. They're kind of built into our systems, our ways of doing things. It's all the times that you kind of mentally check out and your brain doesn't have to be overwhelmed with making all of these decisions. It's essentially looking for the easiest path that it's performed before. So if you look at studies on these things, the purpose of a habit is really that when you're solving a problem for the first time, your brain has to expend a ton of energy to get to the most efficient solution. What works? What gives you a reward at the end? And a habit is just a pathway through your brain that says, in the past, when I've gone through this sequence of events, I get to the thing that I want, and that makes me happy. But research shows that as you perform these same patterns over and over again, the amount of energy that you're spending to do this activity actually decreases because your brain just kind of stops thinking about it and it becomes automated. Yeah, so this is really the routines you fall into and stuff you don't even really pay attention to anymore. It's like uh, when you brush your teeth, which side and top bottom do you start with every single time? When you put on a pair of pants, which leg do you use first? It's all these little things that have just kind of slipped into the back of our head that is just, I get up, I get ready and oh look, I'm ready, but you kind of lose track and you don't really take it for granted. It's not like when you're trying to figure out a complex problem or you're reading something interesting in the paper or it's looking at some funny cat videos. It's something you just kind of do to get done. And that's really what a lot of habits are. And it's kind of learning how to calibrate, reprogram, and really use those habits to make your life better by being consciously aware of what you're doing. So you know how to make the good kind of habits that kind of help you later in the long run. Well, and it's a really th interesting thing because... In The Power of Habit, the book by Charles Duhigg, there was a couple of studies done, medical studies, where essentially the patients in the study had had damage to their brains, but they were able to narrow down the part of the brain where these pathways live, where these habits are formed. And even for people that had lost their short-term memory completely, so couldn't tell you where they lived, couldn't tell you what had happened five minutes ago, they could still go for a walk around the neighborhood and somehow end up back in their own house, even though they don't know which house they live in or which street they live in. But there's these patterns that have formed that essentially made it automatic. So how does someone who can get up in the morning and cook breakfast, but essentially can't remember anything past a few minutes ago function? And this is really speaking to 
how we really are defined by the habits that we make. And that definition, when we can take that back and create the habits that serve us, really give us a leg up in getting towards and making progress towards our goals. Yeah, habits can kind of be seen as looking at the same areas that bring the handle, like pathfinding, like where you're going, where you're coming, where the house is, where work is, and kind of finding along this autonomic trail of this is where you bring pre-programs itself to kind of handle these things to always get you to where you are intending to go if it's something you've been going over and over again. As things have gone, we kind of dropped our own day-to-day habits into that same area of processing where it just kind of slips into the background of comfort and this is just the path we take every single day. And again, we, like, we take it for granted, like which leg do you start with when you put your pants on and all these hundreds of little decisions that have just turned into your basic routine every single day. Yes, yeah, so well, let's look at the two pieces of source material, those two books that I referred to a few minutes ago. And actually, I'd like to take my 4am book club and make it into a real thing. So we mentioned last time that we've started a Facebook page, and there's a Facebook group that goes along with it. I'm going to start reading through Atomic Habits by James Clear. And anyone interested in joining me, by all means, I mean, I'm going to start posting the sections that I'll be going through on a weekly basis. And then hopefully there'll be some people there that are willing to talk about it with me. And together we can work on ways to affect real change in our lives. Yeah, so the Facebook page is just called It's Personal Finance Canada, and the group is called It's Personal Finance Canada Podcast Session Group. Well, that's it. Easy to find. And I'm really hoping that we can build a community here because I think even in the creation of habits, having an accountability partner or having people that are understanding the journey you're on that are willing to discuss and support this with you is huge in making sure that it sticks. So feel free to find us, feel free to hop in the conversation. And if you're interested in reading the book along with me, that's great. Just as a side note, we make absolutely no money recommending the book. I'm sure the author has no idea who we are here in Canada. So join me if you'd like, it would be wonderful. Okay, so let's talk about the core concept from the book, The Power of Habit. Essentially, the author has a three-step model that has been tested by science. Ooh, make it sound so official, tested by science. <laughs> yes. I won't tell you what science or how science the scientists figured it out, but... Uh, did, did they have white coats on? <laughs> I'm sure they did. Uh, but that being said, his three-step process is essentially called cue, routine, and rewards. And this is something that has been widely accepted and used not only by scientists, but by marketers and other people looking to understand human behavior, the why we do what we do, or how we make these decisions that you kind of go, huh, why did I do that later? But um, his three-step pattern essentially says that your habit starts with a trigger. It starts with something that makes you go, hmm, I want X. And the thing that you want is usually not the part in the middle, the part that's called the routine. The routine is the thing that you do to achieve the reward. And what you want is that reward at the end. Well, yeah, the cue isn't always a good thing. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. It could be a habit to pick up a cigarette. It could be to eat something you shouldn't want to eat. It could be someone frustrating you. It could be a host of all kinds of things. But the most important thing is the reward that comes at the end and whether or not it is worth going through the whole process to get that reward. Because it's not always a good reward at the end. 
Oh, sure. And I mean, in the second book, James Clear, uh, the author of Atomic Habits, he adds a step to his process. He talks about cues, cravings, responses, and reward. And he goes in, so his book is a lot more practical in terms of how to apply to your day-to-day life, which is why it's the one I think it would be beneficial to read as a group. But he focuses on not just good habits, but also the elimination of bad habits. And I think the elimination of bad habits can in some ways be more important, especially if you have a spending habit or a certain pattern that has been stopping you from being able to save money. Because, I mean, in typical personal finance advice, All that we say is, hey, just automate your savings so you don't have to think about it. And what that means is put 200 bucks a month into your automatic savings plan so that it's done for you. But what if your other behaviors are preventing you from having that $200 to automatically put away to the point where you don't feel comfortable with that automatic savings program because you don't know if you'll spend the money or not? Well, yeah, you're right about kind of automating your finances. That's where a lot of people kind of start and stop when it comes to like personal finance and this whole thing. But what we want to really talk about is a lot of the underlying motivations and thoughts that kind of influence. Like I said at the beginning, all these personal finance decisions are really just an overflow of all these different habits you have in your life. If you have a certain cue that makes you want to go out and spend, well, that's going to impact your finances. If you have another cue that makes you want to hoard or be frugal, that also impacts your finances. It is looking at how our habits and our thoughts and our intentions impact what we use our money for because money is really just a tool it's not good it's not evil it's what we do with it reveals who we really are on the inside are we calm are we secure are we fragile are we impulsive are we trying to use different spending habits to mask different things and all this gets built into the routines and habits we establish and that's why we kind of want to bring up these books where we kind of do have that cue routine rewards that we see with the doohick and just being consciously aware of this so we can kind of kind of break the automatic state that a lot of these habits have over our lives and to actually be consciously aware of what we're doing so we can reinforce the good habits that are going to help us in the long run and we can start to weed out the more troublesome ones that could be holding us back or be in direct conflict with our goals. Well, yeah, and that's what I like about the James Clear book. It's an actual framework on how to do this. And ultimately, of course, our goal is to make our lives as easy as possible. So while it's not necessarily easy to build a habit, once you're in that routine, it does create that automation of yourself that essentially makes it easier to get where you want to go. James Clear has a concept called the Goldilocks Rule, which essentially says if something is too easy, we're going to get bored. But if it's too hard, we're going to fail and we're going to lose motivation. So you want to be challenged, but you also need to feel that the challenge is achievable. Or at least you need to believe that you have the ability to achieve it. And when people think things are too hard, like changing a habit, you go, oh my goodness, that's not for me. This sounds really overwhelming. You won't do it. We'll procrastinate. And procrastination is a tricky thing because it's kind of like a bit of a lie that we tell ourselves. We just say, oh, you know what? 
I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. And the thing is, you say that day after day, and tomorrow never comes. It never gets here. And we essentially kind of trick ourselves into taking the easy path because really that's what our brains and our bodies want to do. So that's why these habits become so important because you're getting that same decrease in need to spend too much energy solving this problem because it's automated, it's built in. So just for an example of a habit and how you can change one part of the Q routine reward structure and get a completely different outcome. When I was younger in my 20s, I really liked eating sweets in the evening. So loved cookies, loved anything with chocolate in it. Um, And of course, that's not great for the figure over the long term. So I kind of said to myself, you know what, this isn't sustainable. I can't just keep having these snacks in the evening long term. So what I did is I said to myself, and of course, I had no knowledge of of any of this process at that point in time. But I said, you know what, when I've got that inclination to eat something sweet at the end of the day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drink a cup of tea instead. And I just happen to really love a nice hot cup of tea. So For me, the reward at the end, the satisfaction of having something that I enjoy that's comforting at the end of the day was still there. So I had essentially taken my cue, which was just, hmm, I'd like something nice at the end of the day and replaced eating sweets with drinking a cup of tea. And I still did feel that satisfaction. Now, if I had tried to replace eating sweets with eating Brussels sprouts, that probably wouldn't have happened and uh, worked out very well. But because my brain believed that the reward was similar, it was equally motivating and it was equally easy to change that behavioral pattern over a period of time. And that was a habit I kept up for a very, very long time. Now, I didn't completely give up my cookie habit. So what I did there was I looked at going to the gym in a bit of a different way. I feel like most people, when they're going to the gym, they say to themselves, oh, this is such a negative thing. This is something I have to do because I'm trying to lose weight. Uh, It's a punishment. And your brain takes it and kind of registers it as a negative, which is really interesting because exercise is something that we should all love. Uh, It's good for our bodies. You get that endorphin boost. I mean, think about it as playing sports. Everybody loves playing sports. Well, most of us do, I suppose. Uh, But people seem to get more negativity about going to the gym. And I think the reason for that is we've framed it in our mind as the result of something unfavorable or the result of, oh, I have to do this now because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight or there's this negative consequence in my life that I'm trying to avoid. So what I had done in, in that case, and again, with no knowledge of any of this stuff, these are just the kind of little games I play with myself to keep myself entertained. Uh, what I would do is I would look at the box of cookies that I was interested in, and I'd say, okay, hey, a serving is two cookies, and that's X numbers of calories. So then I'd go to the gym, and I'd get on the treadmill, and I'd watch the calorie count. And as soon as the calorie count had hit the equivalent for those two cookies, I'd earned my reward. So the frame in my mind was rather than going to the gym to burn off the cookies that I ate already, I was going to the gym 
to earn the reward of being able to eat two cookies guilt-free whenever I wanted because I'd already burned the calories. Now, of course, I understand in reality that's not exactly how it works, but that little mental trick had me enjoying going to the gym quite a bit more than I think I would have otherwise because not only was it good for me physically, but there was a reward at the end. If you're looking to yourself and you can see a habit that you'd like to change, I would say that this week, just take a chance to kind of watch yourself, Uh, get a journal and a pen and put it on your pillow in the bedroom or put it in a place where you know you'll see it every day and you'll have to make a decision. So whether that's right beside your coffee maker first thing in the morning on your pillow so that you see it before you go to bed at night and then just pay attention. Pay attention to your cues. So if there's a bad habit that you've identified in your own life that you want to get rid of, what is it that is that first step that creates that craving? What's the cue that creates the need to engage in that activity and produce the reward? So I'd been asking myself, what's the environment that makes it likely that I'd perform a certain habit? Um, what is the actual habit itself? Make sure that it's really defined. And finally, to understand the reward, because the reward is something that you're going to want to duplicate with your new behavior later on. What are you getting out of it? Especially if this is a habit that you do not want, why are you doing it? What is it that is somehow satisfying to you or that gives you a sense of relief or a sense of accomplishment or a sense of whatever it might be that's motivating you? So once you find out those two things, your cue and the reward, you've taken a good first step to create some real change. Yeah, if you want to look at the negative side on like kind of breaking that bad habit, a good example I know is probably with my dad when he finally decided to quit smoking for umpteenth time, but he finally figured out a way that kind of helped him do it. And he made it very unattractive if you want to kind of follow uh, James Clear's model of uh, make it visible, make it unattractive, make it difficult, make it unsatisfying. He had to resort to taking a special medication that would just physically make him nauseous every single time he wanted a cigarette. But at the same time, he tried to reinforce the good side of it by taking all the money he would have spent on a pack of smokes that day and threw it into a little side fund. And at the end, after a few months, he finally did kick the habit, he had enough money to buy a 60-inch TV. So you kind of have a bit of both sides going on there, where you have the one side where you're just making it as unappealing as possible to continue this habit you know is detrimental to your health and finances, while also kind of rewarding yourself at the end for like a job well done and be able to have something you can really enjoy that isn't just a continued anchor on your finances and your life. Yeah, so the building of good habits and the tearing down of bad habits, obviously this is a very nuanced conversation. So I really am hoping that a couple of you will decide to join me offline or online, I suppose, um, and uh, pop over to our discussion group. And hopefully we can suss this out a little bit better there. And if there's interest, I mean, we're keeping this as a choose your own adventure type podcast at this point in time. So if there's interest in hearing us talk about this more, maybe we'll rely on the discussion group. Maybe we'll pull some stuff out of there. Or, you know, if you want to hear our view on it, just give us the heads up. Send us a quick message. Tell us what you like and don't like, and we'll take it from there. If we can help out in any way, please feel free to let us know. And... We hope you will reach out to us. 
So as always, if you're in the BC area and looking to speak to someone about your finances, feel free to contact us at Braun Financial, braunfinancial.com. And if not, if none of that appeals to you, we'll still be here next week. And hopefully we can continue some version of this conversation then. So until next time, take care and all the best.